structures are not serving us well. We need to creatively destroy the ships that brought us here and move into the land of the future with better tools. Tools that keep us safer and healthier, that create more wealth for more people, that foster more intimate and rewarding relationships. We need to leave behind what is not working. We need a modern revolution. We invite here, they are thinking differently, and we'll tell you where you can learn all about them later, after you have listened to them closely. For now, we don't want to impress you with what they have done, we want to impress you with what they have to say. The Modern Revolution will be podcasted. Okay. Well, welcome back to the Modern Revolution, and uh, we have another exciting person to introduce you today and to talk about. And as in all of our episodes, you know that we're not going to spend time establishing why you should listen to them. Instead, this is an invitation just to listen. And if you find that uh, our guest is compelling in their information and you really want to know more about them, then you can go to the three minute uplift and you will find uh, this video published there. And in that video will be a bunch of show notes that will take you to all the right places to find our guest. Um, uh, so if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or any of the other analogous uh, formats, you can certainly go there and um, the information will be presented in a manner that will be easy for you to find us. And so today, I'm lucky to have Emma Livingston. So thank you so much for talking to me. We're about halfway around the world from each other. So uh, good afternoon to you. Hello. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good mo yes, it's early in the Arizona desert uh, right at the moment. And Emma, we, when we have people on uh, our podcast, we know that they bring to us a variety of life experiences and, you know, they're complex people and um, they're not just one thing and they don't just do like a single thing. What, what I'd like to begin with is for you to, um, if you can do it in a, in a, in a phrase or, in a, you know, more of a haiku than a novel, right, to kind of sum up the work that you're doing in the world, like, and then uh, additionally, what problem are you working on in the world? What problem are you trying to solve? So could we start there? Okay, so I could present myself with lots of hats, I often do. So I'm a wife, I'm a mother of three children. Um, I'm previously a speech and language therapist. I'm now a CEO of a charity and I do all this living with cerebral palsy. So that's kind of how I'd sum myself up um, in, a, in, a, in a short way. Um, when I was uh, about 35, 40, my um, experience with my disability changed in that things started to get worse. And when I tried to find support and understanding of cerebral palsy as an adult condition and how to get medical support to help me, um, I found that uh, it was very lacking. I also found that there wasn't the support and information about cerebral palsy as an adult condition. Um, and for me, it was really important because my medical needs were stopping me from thriving in terms of being the mum that I wanted to be or being staying in work, which is what I really wanted to do. Um, and so I started to ask questions. And from asking questions, we've been able to engage with um, 
with the community, with the paediatricians and the um, adult services here in the UK, um, with the research to find out why we don't understand CP as an adult condition. Um, and then we started a charity because we were finding out lots of information which wasn't out there in the domain. Um, and we are, so in part, Adult Cerebral Palsy Hub was, was um, started because we don't believe that anybody with cerebral palsy should be told that their CP is getting worse. Instead, they should have information and support to empower them to live their best life and they should have coordinated medical services. And both of those things don't exist at the moment. And that's what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to change. Okay, so that, that's a lot, right? Uh, and, right. and just, uh, we're gonna, we'll put this in the show notes, but may I ask you to, uh, to let's just um, go, go what, what's the name of the charity that you're the CEO so of? It's called Adult Cerebral Palsy Hub or Adult CP Hub which is commonly known as because we in the community abbreviate it to CP. Okay, okay. And that may not be familiar to everybody. So we'll have to make sure that we, um, you know, uh, we identified CP as we go along. It, you, so clearly, I mean, you have a very full life. There are many things in your life that, you know, you're focused on all your role, your familial roles have their own uh, challenges. And, you know, as they do for us all, um, as a CEO of a, of a charity, uh, you described a lot of different things that you're trying to tackle. And could we distill that a little bit um, mm -hmm. down? Like, is in terms of the problem you're trying to solve in the world, is it that um, you are focused on adults with cerebral palsy have a limited um, set of, is, is the information so circumscribed that you're trying to open information for that community to show them that, hey, there's a lot of um, resources and, and possibilities for you that you don't currently see? I mean, I'm trying to paraphrase a little bit about what you Yeah, I, I think um, what I'd say is that, um, at least in the UK, cerebral palsy is the largest childhood disabilities. Um, and us as adults, we don't children with cerebral palsy grow up to be adults with cerebral palsy right. and adults with cerebral palsy that want to live just as fulfilled life as everybody else so what resources and support can we um provide for people um to, in order that um they can live their best life and whether that be around you know pain management or um mobility decline or things that the, the community report in terms of medical needs or um how do i have a relationship with somebody um, who has a disability or am I entitled to a relationship as somebody with a disability? Am I able to go traveling easily with a disability? So we talk about life participation, but we also look at um, how to help people to have as fulfilled life as possible. And you talk about purpose. You know, when I was, um, you know, when I was having difficulties with my, with my hips failing and needing surgery, um, it was very difficult to access services and access support. And I had a medical background and I was quite used to talking to people who um, it, within the medical arena. Um, and I found it really difficult. So, so and everybody said to me, somebody's going to do something about this someday. And I guess I, I just thought, well, you know, I'm going to put my, my hands up and say, well, I'm going to try. And, and it wasn't a conscious decision. But I don't believe um, that you have to be an elected leader. I think you can put yourself forward. And what we're trying to do is gather a community of people with a collective voice that says, 
this isn't good enough, it needs to be different, and show people in a really positive way how it could be different. So very early on, we were said, we were told, don't come to us with all the problems, come to us with the problem and the solution. So we believe that now, after working for the, the last few years, that we do have some element of an idea of what a solution is, but we just need help to put that into practice. Yeah, I, I mean, that, that to me is such a perfect alignment with sort of the, the thesis of the show, which is that, you know, there, there are structures that got us to a certain point, and those structures are insufficient from where we want to be here to where we want to go. And, I, you know, I, I, I try to hear uh, in these conversations, like the, the what's the true sort of theme and uh, the part of what I'm hearing is there is a group of people that you are looking to influence that see their possibilities in their life as circumscribed in a certain way. And you are trying to show them that those uh, boundaries are actually imposed, they're not true. And you're trying to say that the actual boundaries are much further out. You have lots more possibilities in your life um, than you currently think. And you're, you're working in a certain domain, people that have the adult with cerebral palsy, but the premise seems to be, hey, your life, has a lot more possibility to it than you in fact think at the moment. Um, yeah, and also that the, the lack of medical information and the lack of medical support becomes a barrier to you living that for full life. So that's where we started. I was sure. a frustrated manager um, within our health service saying I want to work. And if you gave me the support and understanding of why my body's failing and gave me the rehabilitation and the support for that, I could carry on working. Right. Um, but without that, actually, I'm now stuck at home. Um, so that's where it started, was that, you know, the medical knowledge and the medical um, uh, community weren't there around people to support people. But you are completely right. One of the things that, that we really want to do within, within our charity is to showcase those people that are living it, that are doing it. You know, um, in England here, the politicians, the politics is all over the place, as you probably hear. But one of the things that keeps coming out is, you know, how can you how can you be it if you can't see it? Right. And that's and right. Yeah. That's what we want to create. We want to create um, the community to say, you know, actually, we do things differently. We do things in a different way, but actually we add value to your workplaces, to your um, social situations. And we have a lot to give. Um, and that it is the environment in which we live that that, can, uh, that is the construct that is making it difficult, right. not our ability or disability. Sure. Um, and, and as a colleague um, said to me the other day in another charity, um, she she talks about people without disabilities as not disabled yet because everybody <laughs> as they yeah. age yeah. Um, becomes more and more unable to do things that they used to do. Sure. Um, so we just have a different baseline. Yeah, right. And so you're, you know, you're leading somebody from one land of, you know, certain possibilities into, you know, a broader landscape and, and, and showing them all the different ways in which your map is incomplete. The map is the, the, the landscape's broader than you thought you're come to this as I'm listening to you, not out of just an intellectual curiosity, but out of a practical need for your own experience to kind of lead yourself from you know, hey, this is what people are telling you are, are, are the possibilities, um, when in fact, you didn't accept those boundaries and you wanted to go be beyond that. Um, I'm, my guess is that this is a process that, you know, your um, relationship to your cerebral palsy wasn't 
Uh, it's not a car accident, right? It's not a moment. It's a it's a process. So I'm curious, was there a moment of epiphany in which you wanted to pick up this role as leader? Or was it incremental, or did you decide over time that your decision was made incrementally over some length of time? No, and I actually always laugh that if my parents um, heard me like, talk completely positively that you know I own my condition, which is what I'm now known for saying, and you have to own it, because if you believe it, then other people believe it. And I talk a lot about that, and I really do believe it now. But I think, <laughs> You know, having hit my 40s, I'm, I'm more able to, to own who I am. You know, sure. I'm a mum and I'm trying to model that. But certainly when I was younger, when I was a teenager, I had all of the insecurities um, that a teenager has. But I also walked differently, found things more difficult, walked with splints or ugly shoes and, and all of those other things that, that build um, insecurities sure. um, and, and definitely in um, when I was growing up actually um, I went to a mainstream school so I had never met anybody else with cerebral palsy apart okay. from when I went to the clinics um, and um, and I was living in a normal world um, trying to do as well as my peers and in fact probably trying to do better to compensate for the fact that True. you know I had a disability yeah. and people had to do things differently and you know I think that leaves a legacy and certainly when I meet other people in the community there is a big difference from those of us that went to special schools where they were always integrated with other people that did things differently and had different abilities and disabilities to the population who um, went to a mainstream school and tried to fit in with their peers and and do all the same things that, um, that their peers did. Um, interestingly we have a, a speaker on um, who is coming to talk to us she's a blogger and she's talking about the fact that she never does she tell somebody that she's dating that she has a disability or does she go into cover-up mode almost immediately and and i um i remember what i was like about that when i was out meeting different people so i think you know everyone has different experiences I think I have grown we didn't talk about having cerebral palsy as a family when I grew up and that's not um me doing a disservice to my family because they were like but Emma's going to do everything anyway so we don't need to talk about it we might adapt it a little bit if I fell over which I did often I would just put back on my feet and um and I carried on it's only as I've gotten older and, and particularly around the charity and the and and sharing my story because that's where we started I didn't set out to start a charity I set out to ask a question ask questions and when I started asking questions I was then invited to various different places to share my story sure. and in doing that that's what connects people and unites people is sharing stories so I had to get comfortable with me but it's taken a long time yeah so yeah there wasn't an epiphany it said this is what I have to do today this is something that you know and it sounds like it wasn't entirely by design it sounds like you had a question and that question led you to an action, and that action led you to another action, which led you into a different community. Yeah. And you know, it seems to organically now you were in a position of influence to affect what you initially kind of needed in a, in a sense. Which you know begs the question: There's a status quo that shapes your initial experience, and so what are the uh, forces that um, create the status quo of you know? that bring about you, right? That bring that you needed to solve a problem. So 
the, what is the status quo? What are the forces that shape that status quo that create the problem in the first place? Um, well, I always try to do things in a positive way. When sure. I was seeking support myself, I found a community that was quite disgruntled and dissatisfied with um, the status quo, but, but that's not the way that I work. So I try to understand why are we where we are now? And right. what I found was that, you know, legitimately it was thought that um, you were born with cerebral palsy, the, the, um, the brain injury that you, that you get remains constant all your, your life. It doesn't change. It's not an acquired condition. And therefore, we'll give you all the support and intervention as a child. Then we'll get you up on your feet and doing as best you can. And then you get discharged because you can go on off and live a good life. Um, the understanding of our condition is changing. Okay. That if you use your body in, in the same way that it wasn't designed for over a long period of time, then you're going to get wear and tear and you're going to get um, different problems. And also the new research around you know, we're a higher risk of um, cardiovascular disease, of kidney disease, but is that because of our lifestyle or because there's a predetermined, right, right. I, I don't know the answers to that, but that information wasn't out there at the right. beginning. Also, we are in an environment where they thought that people with cerebral palsy didn't have an equivalent life expectancy to the normal population. So let's give them a good childhood and they probably won't need services in adulthood. We now know that there's an equivalent life expectancy. So that for those two reasons, there weren't services. I think also the public perception of cerebral palsy is probably a little bit different to what it actually is in terms of the images that you get of children with cerebral palsy, particularly right. in this country, are of people that are, um, have very profound needs that, that, that um, are always needing help. Um, I often went to doctors and, and different places, you know, ended up in our emergency room because I'd fallen or something. And I'd say I had cerebral palsy and they'd get a group of doctors around going, see, this girl's got cerebral palsy. Would you believe that? Because she's much more functional than I thought. Yes. And in reality, you know, there's a spectrum within our society. And most of us in the adult CP world are quite functional. We are mothers, we are fathers, um, we are politicians. Um, we are um, living and, and, and wanting to do what everybody else wants to do. I think there was previously a perception that we were very needy and therefore our um, expectations or, or our wants for life was different. And I think in society, we've changed our thoughts around disabled people too. That yeah, they so, yeah, yeah I, and so the status quo that exists uh, or cu currently exists that you're kind of looking to, to reshape um, sounds like it was not out of any malintent, but it was a lack of information. It wasn't so much that um, people were looking to circumscribe the lives of people who had cerebral palsy, but the information about, you know, the landscape um, was circumscribed uh, because they didn't know better and there wasn't models uh, of that. And so you're, you're challenging a number of assumptions, both, you know, community assumptions in terms of hey, if you've been fed certain images, then your knowledge of you know, the condition is based on the information you have, which is skewed um, in a direction that isn't helpful for the cerebral palsy community is kind of what I'm, what I'm hearing. If but you were to kind think, of- Do you think society is also changing? Like, um, you know, what I always say is that we need to embrace difference. You know, we need to embrace not every equality doesn't mean everyone has to be the same. It right. means that we need to um, we need to embrace 
what people bring to the table, all their different attributes. And, and I think that, and I hope that in the same way as, you know, that things for women are changing or have changed. I know we're not quite there yet, but things are changing in terms of race, in terms of sexuality, we're having conversations that we didn't used to have. And so all I'm saying is we need to have those conversations around the dis dis disability community too. For sure. I mean, and actually that's that's just extraordinarily well put. And that's the premise of the show is to find people who are saying, hey, listen, it's not that, you know, these structures that we inherited are so awful, but, but they need to change. And we need mm -hmm. to kind of reconstruct um, how we think about different things. Your uh, charity is, is effectively working to um, explore with the community outside the cerebral palsy community why things need to be, be different. So when you run up against um, these perceptions about that are outside the cerebral palsy community, right? Like, hey, those folks live within this landscape. What, um, what makes those people think that this problem is less serious than it, than it is? Is it that they had a fatalistic point of view which says, hey, listen, that question's already been answered. Like that, they're, they're, you know, you're, you're working on something that can't be changed. Is that sort of like why people think this is, uh, why they're not aware right now? Um, or is there another another reason? Is it too painful for people to kind of encounter? Right? You know, I think I think it's twofold. I think that as a community, and one of our jobs, I believe, is to bring our community together to unite our voice. Because right. you know, sometimes we don't even realize things are a problem because we're just busy getting on with our lives. You know, when you grow up with a disability, you're used to adapting, you're used to changing, you're used to things. Um, when you have an acquired injury you know you have lived and I don't like using this term but previously a normal life that sure. suddenly changed and taken away from you and therefore you are aggrieved and you are angry and you're willing yes, to shout right. and scream most people within the, um, the CP community are just trying to get on with their lives um, and so in part I think it's because the voice of the community hasn't been strong enough um, I also think that you know um there are lots of people clambering for attention um, yeah. and there is also lots of need. Um, also, in terms of CP as a condition, what we're not asking for yet is a cure. We're just asking within the premise of the, our abilities or disabilities, we want to live a good life. So it isn't like everyone's getting behind somebody for a, to look for a cure and make this you know, this big magic wand and make that change right, too. Right. So I think there's lots of forces at work to why as yet um, there hasn't been um, a big public, you know, outcry of the fundamentally the health inequalities or the, you know, um, the equality of life opportunity for the, for the population that they might be with something else. Yeah, and that yeah, I think that makes makes sense. Like it's not focused on um, uh, like a real tactical issue, right? It's like we're not looking for this one thing. We're looking for a change in, in perception. And so maybe as the CEO of this charity, if you were speaking to the community at large, what's a behavioral change that you might ask of the community at large that they could make to align themselves with this vision of um, you know, reconfiguring what's it mean to live with 
cerebral palsy? What, what, what's something that someone might do? So can I answer this in two? I think yes. uh, the one thing, one thing that, that, you know, I'm oft, often having a debate about is, you know, when someone says it's inclusive, my, my, uh, um, my environment, I've made it in inclusive, it means that it's not inclusive because it means it's made special. What I would like is for environments to be accessible without having to ask, without having to think about. I think right. there was a, an incident um, uh, here in the UK when uh, one of the uh, delegates to um, the, the recent um, summit that was in Glasgow, environmental summit, and somebody couldn't get into the building. Right. Um, and they said, well, you didn't ask, you didn't tell us beforehand, Yes. And well, well, if you have to ask, then it's not inclusive. If you someone yeah. has to make it as something special, then we've still got a long way to go. I know, you know, I was in the supermarket the other day and there was no um, service till open where you get supported. It was all self-service. And I yeah. said, you know, it'd be really nice if you had a teal open because I find this really difficult. And just, well, all you needed to do was ask and I would have opened it for you. But that means there's always a barrier to that kind of equality of um, yes, experience. Yeah, yeah. So right. in that way, I would just like people to become a little bit more aware of, of their environments. And then to be more specific, something that we've been asking workplaces to do right. is to think about diversity and what that brings to their organisations. If you always want what you've always got, then start, you know, keep recruiting the same types of people. But if you think about it, somebody living with a disability very good at problem solving, has got right. lots of tenacity, um, right. yes. you know, has, has got lots of creative skills innately because that's how we live our life. Right. And how wonderful would that be to have somebody like that um, in your work environment? Yes, right. it might mean that they're not so good at some of the other aspects of it. But right. if we keep wanting people who um, can do everything, then we get specialists in in, no, in none of the areas. And actually, can we take people on the merit of what they can do and um, the richness that they bring to the organizations rather than exclude them because of what they can't do? Yeah, so I mean, it's like in terms of just seeing if I understand correctly what you said, you know, the first request is just to be uh, treated as everybody else, to, to make sure that you're in the tent of like, we would consider the, um, the not creating barriers for this community the way that we don't create barriers for anybody else we don't build doors that are 400 pounds for only people who can move 400 pounds uh, for yeah. the door you know we think about uh, we think about that and um, just sort of a recognition that there are actually gifts that can come from uh, this you know the condition yeah. that might be if not unique to the community, that they do in fact exist, that they bring things that other people would not bring because of, you know, having yeah. overcome some of the, the basic challenges of inherent in the, in the condition. Yeah, and I think it would also be um, a missed opportunity for me to also add that the things that we're asking for in terms of the changes within the health service here in the UK, but I know it's similarly um, where you are, because we work quite closely with that, is that, um, the things that are happen for other lifelong conditions right. can happen for the CP community too. We're not asking for huge, great changes. We're asking for things that, that other people get access to. Um, so yes, things yes, like right. review being reviewed annually, being seen by a team of people that understand their condition, um, right. 
being able to access your healthcare provider when you need to access your healthcare provider and not going back onto the list. All of these things that, particularly in the UK, if you have any other long-term condition, you get access to. It's not that we want different, we just want equality. Right. And that some of these changes, um, they're very simple. It doesn't take anyone with huge, um, that, that needs to know a lot to understand it. I talk a lot about it to people that don't understand. And when you explain it, they say, but why doesn't it happen? It's not rocket science. Yeah. And I'm like, no, it's not. Yeah, yeah. I, I, th I like the notion of like revealing what should be obvious and, and then, you know, moving in that direction. If we yeah. were going to talk, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure in terms of your heart, when we talk about accomplishments, there, there may be familial accomplishments, accomplishments as a wife, as a mother. But if I was going to ask you about, you know, the, the professional, the community uh, part of your life that you're invested in, what's an accomplishment that you would want people to associate with you at this point? How would you describe perhaps uh, your signature accomplishment, signature from the standpoint of what makes you feel uh, the most pride or you're most attached to um, in your work so far? So I could talk to you about, you know, our kind of accomplishments in terms of bringing this issue before our parliamentarians in this country and have it, having them start the debate. But actually, as a, from a personal point of view, yes. um, what the pandemic allowed us to do is take a few risks. Um, and what we wanted to do was bring the community together. And because of Zoom and because of technology, we started weekly um, support groups. Um, in fact, twice weekly support groups at the peak of the, because um, I don't know what it's like in the States, but isolation and loneliness is a pandemic in this country um, in itself, and yes. particularly for um, a particularly vulnerable community like the CP community, everyone was very um, isolated. And actually with the power of Zoom, it meant that we could join up people from all over the country who came together and started to create a community who were mutually supportive of each other. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I think definitely. that has been really lovely. And some of the comments that we've got back about, you know, um, how they've never met somebody with CB before, but actually now they're, they're making friends or, you know, we did a program during the pandemic because we saw that um, people's mobility was declining because they weren't having access to rehabilitation. And um, we started an exercise program together as a community, encouraging people within the limits of being able to go out or not but to set targets and goals for themselves and get moving and understand how they had some control over their disability and they had some control over whether it got worse or not. And yeah. in encouraging people to exercise as to come together as a community, we also had an impact on people's mental health. And for me, you know, if, if I can talk to one person and say, yes, I understand what you're going through. Yes, it's difficult. I don't have all the answers right now. We're working towards that. But this is what I know from my experience. Yeah. You know, just meeting someone um, where they are is really important. Yeah, I think you know, we talk about isolation and loneliness in the best of times. There's often, uh, you know, that's an issue for many, many people, many of us. And uh, that when you overlay such a, uh, extraordinary, profound, you know, global issue. I'm, I'm confident that what you're describing uh, applies to you know, perhaps the whole community, and then exacerbated in a community that you know um, may have started at a at a higher level than yeah. than, than others. I, I want to remind people that they can you know learn more about you at our show notes. But before we conclude our conversation, could you give uh, our audience perhaps where is the best place to find you? What 
what um, where would you like so, to um, go? So we're Adult CP Hub, at Adult CP Hub um, on all social media channels. And our website is adultcphub.org. Okay, excellent. Well, uh, Emma Livingston, thank you so much. I'm going to take us out here in just a second, but I really appreciate you making time. It's, uh, you know, you talk about the power of these collaboration tools. Uh, you're in London, I'm in Chandler, Arizona. It's unlikely that we would have been able to do this 10 years ago um, in any you know, environment. So I'm grateful that you took time. I thank you for sharing your experiences and ideas with, with our audience. My pleasure, nice to meet you. Thank you. Well, today's modern revolutionary, Emma Livingston, is moving us forward. And like others we've talked to, they're clear-eyed about our situation and they're brave enough to bring their thoughts and their words to the arena. Uh, today, I think was particularly inspiring and I hope that Emma inspires you to bring your ideas to the world. Uh, don't keep them locked away because the modern revolution needs us all. <laughs>